welcome to another episode of Movie Mumble, your monthly movie exploration and discussion podcast where four friends get together to enjoy talking to each other about movies. And sometimes we broaden our cinematic horizons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Scott Murray, and uh, I'm glad to be joined by my John Doe's hidden in the morgue, <laughs> Joel Lewis. Hello. Tim Gerard. Hi. And Zeke Perez. Howdy. Thanks for joining me, guys. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I was, I, was, I, didn't, I usually say howdy, and then Zeke said howdy, and it made me feel really sad That's for not having colors. said it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the I should say thanks for joining me again. I guess I haven't scared you off yet. We haven't scared Zeke off yet. Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's pizza, so <laughs> that helps. Pizza and alcohol. Pizza dogs. you didn't have to pay for dogs this week. Pet, it helps. Right. Yeah. Cool. Oh man. That's what he's... <laughs> he's going to bail before his next pick. He's yeah, I gotta go. I can't. Sorry. <laughs> For those of you unfamiliar, Movie Mumble is a monthly movie discussion podcast where we take turns picking a movie, watching it together, and then talking about it. There are no rules about what kind of film we can pick. Foreign, domestic, animated, live action, old or new. And, uh... We try to pick stuff that's familiar to us sometimes and weird shit some other times. So, um, Why are you looking at me the whole time you're saying the weird parts? Honestly, I don't have to turn my head all the way to look at you, so I'm going to look at you a lot. Um, but, uh, actually, I should have been looking at Tim, probably. For, for the Quinn and Scott Yeah, that's uh, true, yeah. First. Even Pi, honestly. A little, a little on the weird end. But that's true. Anyway, we take turns picking a film, we talk about it. Uh, there are no rules about the discussion, really. We we have a few points we stick to, but after that, we just kind of see where it goes. Whether we talk about the film itself, about its production, about other movies it reminds us of, or about what we did last week, <laughs> or anything, really. Uh, we don't intentionally withhold spoilers for any of our films, so if you're worried about that sort of thing, please watch them ahead of time. And at the end of each episode, we'll announce what we're watching next month, so you can watch along with us if you'd like. Uh, this month, I was our movie selector. <laughs> And I picked Bullet, our 1968 uh, cop movie starring Steve McQueen, who is <laughs> so cool, uh, including one of the cinema's best car chases. And I feel like I've probably said that definitely to you guys way too much, but at least once before on last episode of mm-hmm. the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, um, normally I try to engage the movie picker. But since that since is you, picker, let me engage you. We usually have our movie selector summarize the film mm-hmm. and also summarize their relationship with the film and why they brought it. Yeah. So, dear host of ours, <laughs> please do those things. Yes, yeah, so the film itself has Steve McQueen as a police lieutenant in San Francisco and a mob witness needs protection. A politician shows up and sort of throws his weight around to get the bullet on the, the protection details and then two men show up and kill the witness and bullet immediately smells something fishy because they knew where he was and they knew the politician's name to use so he starts to investigate and the politician wants his head and um you know the more the deeper he looks the less things make sense and the more things unravel and that's i guess the end of the non-spoiler summary mm-hmm. so to dive in more deeply First, one of the first things he learns from his informant is that the mob wasn't behind the hit. They're still looking for their witness. They're not talking about him being in the hospital or dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he starts to follow... He, he gets rid of the assassins, but they get dead, so there's no chance of questioning them. And basically, he starts to follow down alias leads and eventually figures out that the witness he was protecting is a nobody. 
it's just some guy set up to be a decoy or take the fall or maybe they were gonna pay him who knows he's dead now but that was not the point the witness seems to have two times everybody the mob who he stole the money from uh the politician who he was going to testify for the poor sap who got to take his place as the witness uh, the assassins who he hired to kill, quote-unquote, him, the fake him, uh, and then kills the wife of the witness, the fake witness, to keep her quiet. And he's just going to skip town with all his stolen mob money. And Bullet unravels this just as he's getting on the plane, so they stop the plane, and they have a chase through the San Francisco airport. And uh, as the guy is trying to shoot his way out, Bullet guns him down. And uh, politician just kind of goes home with a frown on his face. And that's that's that. That's your movie. <laughs> so how how did this film come into your life? You know, I don't know. You um, don't. Know. <laughs> I I want to say came that, out the womb watching it. Yeah, I want to say that I was interested in cars and car chases, and maybe talking to my dad about that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Maybe about Bond movies even. And I want to say he's the one who mentioned it to me, but it was certainly I, I must have been in college. It was at a point where I was able to just go find it on the internet. I didn't need to use Blockbuster or anything. Mm-hmm. I found it, I loved it, and I bought it. Done. And that was it. I, but it was definitely introduced to me as, as a car chase film. Or a film with a car chase. Mm-hmm. You know? Which I know we talked about during one of your situational recommendations before. Mm-hmm. Because that's what put this back into my head as a thing I should pick. So it's, it's not a very interesting story of how it came into my life. <laughs> Someone I know said it was cool, and then I watched it, and it was. <laughs> there you go. But, but the, car, the car chase recommendation got it back into my head. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, I was finding myself defending it to myself about, oh, I know it's kind of more straightforward, even though it's a little twisty. It's still just you follow the character and he unravels the mystery, and it's classic in the literal but good sense. So you know how this is going to go, and the pacing is familiar, and everything's real, and there are no special effects. And, and I found myself kind of trying to justify that next to a lot of the cooler or more complicated films we watch, or more modern films. Um, and then after we had. Mother doesn't seem like that long ago, but it was in my old apartment, so it feels like forever ago. <laughs> Between Mother and Stalker in particular, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I could just I could do with a nice, refreshing, straightforward sort of film. Um, Rocky helped. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I was like, you know what? Yeah, screw it. I want to watch this again. I'm picking it. And so I did. And there, there you go. Nice. How many times have you seen it? Is this like a favorite many, many you watch? Times. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one of the ones they pull off the shelf and nice. watch. I, I don't, again, I don't know. I, out of the things that I do legitimately pull off the shelf just when I'm skimming over and they fall under my gaze, and I go, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, Drive, Blade Runner, but Blade Runner's a little long for that. Um, Donnie Darko, Bullet. I mean, if I cast my gaze over my shelf, which I can now see from the table without getting up, <laughs> so I don't have to do that. Stay with the mic for the love of God. Skyfall was one of those until Spectre came out, and now I think of them put together a lot, and I don't have time to do two in a row, so I kind of don't but it was there mm-hmm. uh, Moonraker Diamonds Are Forever we talked about <laughs> Bond films yeah I just that I don't know out of all the things on the shelf some of which you have to specifically want to watch or find or show to a friend but it's one of the ones that Indiana Jones right just when I'm like ah oh, I have a night in I'm comfortable what do I want to watch today that's a thing I've seen before oh yeah but there you go <laughs> so many times Zeke okay yeah <laughs> yeah so Zeke what, what were your first impressions yeah, I think uh, it was different than I thought because so you mentioned um, it I, being I this. Up the car chase. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, and then that's how I've heard it before, and I think 
we had talked about last time, I haven't seen this before, but I had seen part of it. Mm -hmm. And one of my professors in college just threw on part of the car chase scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, not even the whole thing. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't get to see the end of it. He was like, here's a here's a great car, car chase um, with a great car. Mm -hmm. And threw on the first part of that. And I was like, <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So I was kind of under the impression the whole time that this movie was, you know. A lot more like, action yeah, yeah, a lot more action a lot more just car just centric. The, the car, yeah. yeah the whole of... thing is the car. But I liked that, you know, I liked the story um even though you said it's you know yeah. uh, i mean there it's twisty but yeah. straightforward too I, I mean i i liked the additional parts that weren't about the car yeah but then when you get to that car scene and i'll come back to this when we do our favorite scenes thing mm -hmm. it really does steal the show a little oh, bit oh yeah and so um yeah first yeah. impressions are i had this, i had the mm -hmm. same Th thought that I was expecting it more like I was imagining expecting Baby Driver but old right? no more like more <laughs> like Smokey and the Bandit which I also oh, okay. haven't seen so maybe I'm wrong about that but I'm thinking of like cross country yeah like Cannonball Run Hills of California right. Chase mm -hmm. when we get that at the end yeah but essentially but Tim what did you think how was your um viewing experience yeah it was okay I think I was also kind of colored by the 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 hype of the car chase um yeah. I, I felt like the build-up was pretty good and then once the car chase happened it was like yeah cool and it, it kind of dropped off a little bit for me mm -hmm. um and i mean i and i remember thinking of this as i was watching it like uh, i forget i was talking about something earlier today about like the idea of like attention spans being better back then and they're much shorter now and i was uh, kind in, of in like in terms of the pacing of films yeah like things, you yeah. know and it was definitely kind of like okay i could see where you know i i i want something to happen but i could see where it's just kind of like you're you're kind of supposed to live in this world and you know slowly move through it and and you know and it, it was definitely something i noticed like oh yeah this is definitely scott's pick you know because it like <laughs> yeah. definitely like i could yeah. see a lot of like blade runner but in a mm. in, in you know the past as opposed to the future kind of thing it was mm -hmm. a lot of that of like um you know just kind of yeah like 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 living in this room and like kind of catching every detail of you know the clothes and the setting and um you know and and, and i was trying to like kind of make myself pick up on some of that stuff to kind of get into mm -hmm. the environment um uh you know there was w one of the things i really liked um you know, like when you how you had mentioned, like when he goes into his apartment and like the refrigerator's at the top, the top of the stairs, stairs, you know, <laughs> and it's like it kind of really felt like it felt more real because if someone was going to design this as like this perfect Hollywood apartment, you know, yeah. where you know we're going to make this set, it's like no one would put a refrigerator there, but it was like, yeah, this is this you know this this is the only place we could put this refrigerator in this apartment. Yeah. So this is where it's going. So it did give that level of like reality to it. Um, in the part of the end when he's kind of like in the bath the bathroom sink like looking at the in the mirror and it's got one of those like shitty latches on it and it's like oh yeah I remember having those like at some mm -hmm. point in my life where it's like yeah and the th fucking thing would never stay closed because you could never the wood didn't line up right to actually get the, you know and it was just like you know like it, it looked lived in it looked mm -hmm. real and stuff like that so yeah. so I did like a lot of those those details um but I think um uh yeah, and I definitely did mm -hmm. like the car, the car chase. And I remember mentioning um, during the, the situational movie recommendations that the first time I saw this car chase, it also underwhelmed me because I was so used to the newer stuff. Right. The mm -hmm. post-Star Wars, if you will, mm -hmm. where computer effects are a thing and right. modern-day cars are faster and James yeah. you know, Bond and, and the speeds are higher. And, it, and so that was just... 
sort of lackluster, unspectacular is the word, like in comparison. But that as I grew up and drove actual cars places mm -hmm. at actual speeds, like knowing that this was real people on real roads because there was no other way to do it, suddenly mm -hmm. made it much more horrifying that, and much more impressive of mm -hmm. like, the, oh, oh, wait, whoa, they yeah. really did that. That's definitely my impression of it that uh, watching is like, holy sh Also, like me at Heights, so mm -hmm. I could not, dr I mean, we, we see him parallel park backwards up one of the hills and it's not even the steepest part of it but it's 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 still a great i'm like fuck that anything else <laughs> in this movie is just bonus like that was a difficult yeah. thing so and and like i i, I was not underwhelmed by the chasing yeah. at all the whole yeah. time i was like this is incredible like and especially the pov shots within oh, yeah. the car because you know like, a you dude's turn, just hanging and it. there's just horizon and then yeah. suddenly mm -hmm. the car goes whoop, yeah. and there's a road again. <laughs> and that's it's terrifying to think that, that there's yeah. no effects. There's there's nothing to save you at the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, I was also not underwhelmed because a car chase where the person is being followed and then starts following the people who are like you can't. It, it doesn't get more badass than that. Right? that yeah. Yeah, yeah, Someone's yeah. chasing you. You start chasing. Like that was really cool. Yeah. And, and he, to the, the the shot too, the way that happened, right where they hit the little bump and then in the mirror, there's Steve McQueen and his Mustang right behind him. So amazing. Also reflections I'm, in this. I'm I'm not a car guy at all, but I love this car. Mm -hmm. yeah. A lot of it had to do with that it was Mustang. green. To be fair, yeah. I just <laughs> it's a great color. It's a great color. I was just like, green ooh, for you. Like green that, is a, you know. a classic. Jaguar in particular has their British racing green. Mm -hmm. That's uh, a real. I mean, basically, what that Mustang was colored actually. Yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. you're you're in good company with your green look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The car is a Mustang fastback style. Mm -hmm. On the outside. Well, not on the okay. inside, so, as we found. Yeah. Out. I mean, I, the the baddies are driving a Dodge Charger. Mm -hmm. and greens in his mustang and one of because i've always the mustang's always been my least favorite of the muscle cars mm -hmm. and i feel like it shouldn't have sat you next to zeke just a little yeah i mean it's still great but like i'd rather have a camaro or something but i don't dislike it yeah but it's also the most popular so i find myself buying up against that a lot <laughs> um for bullet the they made a few minor improvements to the charger's suspension for the stunt work and then nothing else. Mm -hmm. For the Mustang, they had to basically rebuild the whole underside of the car. <laughs> they had to put, they had to improve the power and the steering, and totally rebuild the suspension mm -hmm. for it to handle stunt work. And then even after all that, the Charger drivers had to constantly slow down for the Mustang <laughs> to keep up. Um, so, not not great for Ford. But on the other hand, Ford's always had the marketing down, which is why everyone remembers the Mustang, right. and no one remembers the Charger. Or the Camaro, or anything else. <laughs> it doesn't help that the, the, the other car burst into flames. Yes, it's the bad guy car already burst into flames, exactly, yeah. Bullet Mustang, fun fact. Um, after you announced this pick and before filming, did you guys see that it sold at auction for $3.4 million? Yeah. No way. Mm -hmm. Wow. So That's cool. Going. They found yeah. it recently. That was, That's really that was cool. quite fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I will say, the... I love the older Mustangs, the way they look, so much more than the newer ones. Mm -hmm. Something about when they rechanged the back end on the new ones, like, ruined them for me. Mm. But almost anything from the 60s or 70s, yeah, car-wise, right? Great. I mean, you're, you're in there. I'd be delighted. <laughs> it also reminded me, the, the car chase scene reminded me of playing the game Driver. 
Yeah. I feel like I've talked to it about it before, but yeah, like you can actually play in San Francisco. And I mm. think the car you're using is a Charger because I recognize the sound of the engine. Mm-hmm, That's how much yeah. I play that fucking oh. game back in my undergrad. And it was just like, oh man, like going down those hills and like, yeah, like catching air and stuff like that and, you know, getting the cops to chase you. And like, it was weird because I'm usually not, um, you know, like, I'm not a, obviously not a big New York guy, you know, where, like, I feel like people who know New York, when you see a movie that's New York, it's like, oh, yeah, that's that building. I know that corner. And it was weird that I, like, recognized some of where they were because of that game. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's this part. And there's the field over there with the grass. And, then, you know, and it was it was really cool. So it kind of I think that was part of why I really liked it. It kind of tapped into that nostalgia yeah. for me. Um, and it's funny you mentioned the engine noise because, I mean, from 2020, the thing that sort of typically defines the old Chargers is the engine noise. Oh, okay. That's their, their claim to fame, I mm-hmm. guess, if you will. The big Hemis that just you turn mm-hmm. the engine on and destroys everything around it. Mm-hmm. And the Camaros were... One of their fam- famous moments was that they were rental cars with Hertz. You could rent a Camaro. <laughs> did not know. And they had this kick-ass black and yellow paint job because mm-hmm. Hertz's cars okay. were black and yellow, so that's the famous you know, Camaro the Bumblebee. Bumblebee and yeah. But the Mustang's claim to fame is that it's the fucking Mustang. Everyone was constant. <laughs> everyone else in the market was constantly trying to play catch up with the Mustang. And they yeah. never made it. Yeah. Haven't made it to this day. So it's uh, it's funny that you mentioned the engine noise because that's the thing. You know, it's the Chargers' divine injury. Yeah. I saw a lot of like the movies that I like. The influences drawn from this, like mm-hmm. I saw a lot of Casino Royale in this like especially like the pursuit at the uh airport and then just i don't know like following through the the uh the investigation piece of it but it's also like i could give a fuck less about the plot of this movie i just love looking at it so much yeah and i even i even got a little muddle about like who killed who and where and like why, a when, little bit right. of that got got lost, lost. There, yeah. and I think it, it, it's it's it might be just a product of the 60s storytelling where it's kind of like this is this is the same kind of what um, oh, what's his name Columbo that yeah. style of yeah. detective story that kind of like not everything is a neat little bow at the end and you don't really like that that was yeah but it's over <laughs> yeah but yeah. I love looking at this yeah, film. Yeah. It just dr- and the camera works. Amazing. It has yeah. one of the greatest opening credit sequences mm. ever seen. And <laughs> that kind great. of panning look, and then it being mirrored in how he's looking around the. Uh, and we first see him in a reflection. Yeah. Yep. It, it's just it, it's a really f- interesting way to start a movie. I, I was I was instantly kind of hooked by that. And I, I really liked kind of the natural light scenes where you get a lot of actual California. I don't yeah. feel like any of this was really on a set. It just down to the freaking elevator where they're coming down, bringing this the gurney, and it has to be basically Stood upright. Up, yeah. His feet are on the <laughs> ground, though he got shot in the fucking knee. Like that, that was like really tangible and like like made you feel gross, like in pain. That was that was. Yeah. No, I, it, it stylistically, this is one of the coolest things. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I, I like the detect. I like this style of detective story. But for me, it was like this was aesthetics, purely yeah. simple, and that would be why I would watch it again. I could, I almost could mute it. Like, right. Right. It, I mean, I miss the music personally. That's but, fair. No, no, no. Yeah, I, you're right about yeah, if they had an isolated score option, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons I rewatch it so much mm-hmm. is that. I've watched the plot and I know the A to B mm-hmm. and I'm done caring so I can just put it on and 
just look at it. And then and come back and watch the car chase and then go mm-hmm. about doing what you were doing. Mm-hmm. I love unironic jazz flute so much. Thank you. It made me really happy. Good. I'm glad. I <laughs> Something wanna... ruined by Anchorman, which I love the, Anchorman. The but... soundtrack. <laughs> Tim, you mentioned you liked the build-up to the car chase a lot. That um, um, you were like, they were building the tension when they was being followed and then reversed the follow on them before oh, they sped yeah, off. Yeah. And, yeah. Or maybe that was Zeke. Yeah, Zeke said it. I was like, did I, I say that? Because it's, it's, they're just driving. They're just driving basically law-abidingly yep. and glancing in their mirrors. And the music builds all the tension. And nothing happens. For a, quite a long time. That yeah. build-up is really long entirely on its own. And then as soon as the Dodge engine roars and they pull off to the left, the music stops. Mm-hmm. And it's just car noise for the rest of the chase. And I've always loved that. Uh... Actually, I've always loved that effect in general. Using music to build to a point and then leaving the point to stand on its own sound. Yeah, right. In, in plenty of contexts, mm-hmm. not just car chases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 1917 does that really well two or three times, actually. But here, it just, it's so great. And, and yeah, more of that, that little subtle flute <laughs> going on. <laughs> Tim, what was your favorite scene? Or part? Um, yeah, probably the car chase. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it was like, yeah. it, it... I liked how... <clears throat> Yeah, like I wasn't underwhelmed like it. I almost by it. I, I almost liked that it was it was more organic. It wasn't like, you know, fast cut, super edited. You know, and I remember thinking like as I'm watching it too, like, oh, if this was made today, they would like digitally insert all of these cars to make mm-hmm. it look like there's so much more traffic and this, this and that. So they wouldn't have been um, stopped by the fucking uh cab drivers that just kept going right, to the yeah. intersection. Like, just plowed into him and he would have been spinning into a telephone pole and um uh, although uh, at one point too it was kind of neat as I felt like everyone else was driving a lot slower and I almost feel like was that kind of their way of making the two of those two cars look so much right. faster because yeah. it seemed like everyone was kind of creeping along like if you kind of just focused on them it didn't look like oh yeah mm-hmm. I'm going 30 miles an hour mm-hmm. and like then seeing them screaming around corners and you know probably you know to make it safer you know like yeah, sure. you probably Give couldn't have to yeah. sneak through yeah, yeah. I did make it a past 80 miles an hour during <clears throat> shooting the wow. the, uh, the, the the real yeah. stunt cars yeah wow damn although I don't know if that was in the city or during <clears throat> the straight bits towards the end right yeah yeah because some of those corners yeah. were insane oh yeah and and just like when like after the the car crashes and he stops like the fucking momentum he had yeah. like yeah like that was Careening that was like around. that was like straight out of episode one where it was just like fuck like is he gonna stop now like, this you know, is pod racing yeah that's yeah <laughs> and it was just like it was like wow and i feel like you you don't maybe that's the thing is like when you see a car going fast you're like well it's fast but how fast you know you when while it's moving i think it's it's kind of hard to relate like okay i'm kind of looking at the background i'm looking at how fast the background's whizzing by but you really can't get a sense of how fast is fast you know um but then to see someone stopping from that speed and like i think that's what that's going. what really yeah like he was just fucking sideways across grass like across the, the two lanes and it was like oh that's how fast he was going you know yeah. so yeah that was yeah. kind of a perfect end to that you know yeah. to see that like it is you're right because it really puts it all into perspective mm-hmm. you know we don't our next shot isn't the hero standing up out of his car our next yeah. shot is you know, eight seconds on his car coming to a halt and maybe sliding off the road a little just bit by one tire. To a ditch, just fucking like, wheel yeah. at a 45 degree yeah. angle. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's broke. <laughs> what about you, Zeke? 
Um, yeah, so I mean, I'll go car chase as as favorite favorite. I was just captivated the whole time. Um, another favorite would be when Bullet tracks down the flight that he's on, and it shows him, and he's on the plane, and he's the the, the guy he's going after is very tense, and you know thinks he's kind of in the clear, but you can tell just from his face that he knows he hasn't quite gotten away yet. And you know they pull the plane over, they wheel up the 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 ramp to the, to the door to let everybody off, and then it's kind of that tense moment of, you know, does Bullet have him dead to rights or, but then you find out that no he doesn't. Guy just cuts out the back of the plane, and you get a whole Shops other chase. Out the back of the plane. So I'll go with those two different chases. Yeah. I mean, yeah, separate from the car chase, right? I, <laughs> Which is the whole reason I even saw the film in the first place. <laughs> I actually really love the scene where they go through the wife's luggage. Because it's yeah. it's it's a perfect sort of shortened visual example of the legitimate detective legwork that he does throughout the entire film. Mm-hmm. Right? He makes a call, he asks for his informant, informants meeting him in 30 minutes, he goes somewhere else and follows up with other questions, he goes elsewhere, he grabs a paper, he remembers, writes in some other fact, he goes and meets his informant, you know, it, he does a lot of actual investigating and learning, and the well, like I does the best. It's, you know, him and Del Getty each in one trunk, right? Look what I found. Look what I've got. Hey, this matches that. Yep, here you go. And the two partners just in sync with each other yeah. so beautifully, piecing everything together and it all slots into place. Like, mm-hmm. these are the names they're using. They're the real names, not the fake ones. Here's where all the money is done. Like, mm-hmm. I just love that as a... It's sort of like the climax of the detective side of the film as opposed to the climax of the action side. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and not necessarily climax, but linchpin and I, and I just I love it I'm fond of it yeah. no I like that sequence a lot too my favorite particular moment of the chase scene is the reveal of the Mustang yeah. in the rear view mirror that's the bad most badass thing I've ever seen like that that was it's like now it's it's happening it's it's happening and you're fucked like that that was really great um, I really like the you keep to your side of the street I'll keep to mine yeah. line yeah. I really like that that is one of the most smarmy politician performances I've ever seen that really holds weight mm-hmm. it's just like just just enough shit eater grin and just enough glad handing and subtle like right. insult and you know what passive sort of aggressive thing do for a career right yeah, yeah. it's just so smarmy and, and slimy and gross one of my favorite moments is is I, I think this might be my favorite moment is when he goes to dinner with his girlfriend or his wife I think it's his girlfriend yeah and they're the <laughs> waitress pulls the menu in front of his face and almost slices his eye with the edges of it and he has this like whoa it's just a, like a really natural moment and I don't know if it was it definitely wasn't scripted that way but they caught like this real genuine moment mm-hmm. and I think that's something I really liked about McQueen in this because he's not this is not Dirty Harry. No. He's, he's not, not a juggernaut. Single piece, you know, anti-hero. Right. Growth, right? And he's, person. he's not a loose cannon. Mm-hmm. He, he does things that are like seem to push the boundaries of the rules, but it's all, like, it's not, he's not putting anybody in danger with it. It's all like, this is the natural next step if I'm going to cr- protect the investigation and be able to move forward with it. It's just so interesting that you kind of get that sense from the start that he he's he's this more he's very every man in it you, you don't get the set it, it's almost like pre bruce willis die hard 
Whereas, like, Bruce Willis doesn't seem like an action hero. He's got a widow's peak. He's balding. He's more gruff. He's more quippy and funny. But this is like... He walks on the broken glass. Right. He just keeps going because what else is there to do? Right. So this really felt kind of like a precursor to that. Like, this... This is your everyday cop. This is there's nothing. He's an extraordinary driver, mm-hmm. but other and a good detective. But other than that, there's nothing superhuman about him. It, yeah. And he's not super gruff or entitled. He's like he's not Bond. He's yeah. not uh, Dirty Harry. It's just a really interesting hero figure that I I, I really I really like that because he got, kind of plays it real quiet. You know, like he he's he's not blustery. He's not rude. He just kind of reacts to things, and I think that just that does his job. Yeah, that that really like was unique to this to me. Mm-hmm. I really liked that. It's funny you mentioned Dirty Harry actually, because that came after Bullet, mm-hmm. and I guess they had some trouble getting that together. Like first with the script, and they finally got that together, and then they had a lot of trouble casting. Apparently, really, they this is for Magnum. Dirty right, Harry. the first. Well, Dirty Harry is the third one in the Magnum series, right? Mm-hmm. Second or third, I can't remember. Right. The first Dirty Harry. There's... The mo- first movie starring Dirty Harry is like Magnum Force or something like that. Oh. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember all of the names, but yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah, no. They ended up with eventually with yeah. Eastwood. But they approached God knows how many people beforehand, including McQueen. Really? At some point. And the only line we have about that is he didn't want to do another cop movie, quote unquote, mm-hmm. after Bullet. But we don't know if he had issue with the script or just didn't want to sort of repeat himself, gotcha. right? Like two in a row. Who knows? But he, he almost could have been Dirty Harry. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Dirty Harry was first, uh, then Magnum Force, then The Enforcer, then oh, Sudden okay. Impact, then The Dead. They made sudden, five of those. sudden Impact <laughs> is the one I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. I guess that's. I thought I was thinking Sudden Impact was first as gotcha. well. Huh. But Maybe that's the order I watched them in. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Interesting. I, I came across that fact because I recently listened through a whole podcast about the Zodiac Killer, mm-hmm. and apparently the crimes in Dirty Harry were inspired partly by the Zodiac killings. Really? See, yeah, everyone who say that too goes, huh? Because I guess the two things, slash three things that are supposed to make that connection are Bay Area uh-huh. and somewhat random killings and a guy who taunts the police openly. Really? Which I guess was a lot more novel at the time. See, when I watched Dirty nowadays. Harry for the first time, I was just really shocked by how violent the crimes were. Like it's it's rapes and real like really yeah. gritty, grisly stuff. It just it Which doesn't bear a whole lot of relation to the Zodiac killings. Right. I mean, those were gruesome, but as far as we know, never sexual. Yeah. Certainly. Um Bullet was kind of I keep forgetting how violent Bullet is, actually. Yeah, it's and pretty in brutal. A, in another more subtle way. Like I you know, they didn't do the... At one point, you get a shot of uh, the one police officer who's been shot in the leg by a shotgun. Mm. And it's it's gross, and there's blood, you know, bubbling out. But but they didn't do the whole, like, movie monster, gouge him out, here's the shattered bone sort of right. thing. It's just... Mm. It's not it's a gorgeous, but it, it's It's pretty, just the buckshot, yeah. cut it up a lot, and it's blood everywhere. But it's off, off, awful to look at. Mm-hmm. Very uncomfortable to look at. Yeah. That's the thing, Tim. We were talking about like, do they not pay? Are you guys bad at your job? Like not, and that's the thing. Like <laughs> shooting below the knee, and I only know this because of a Chappelle show sketch. If you shoot below the knee, it's it's 
assault with a deadly weapon rather than attempted murder. <laughs> <laughs> That's from the uh, Kings of Click Clack oh, sketch. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, when it turns out they were there, A, they were there for the witness, not for right. the cop. Yeah. And B, I guess the witness, fake witness, knew them and thought he was going to get let right. go. Yeah. Didn't think they were going to put him right. down. So, of course, that explains the light eventually, but... It is a little odd at first. Like, okay, yeah, they clearly made an effort to kill the witness guy. The cop, they just kind of nudged out of the way. Like, are they polite? Are they trying not to start beef with the cops? Right. Like, what's the deal here? It's so fascinating. Like, they kind of dangle that he took the chain off. Mm-hmm. So what? why would you do that? Like, what would the po- possible ma- motivation for that be? And it, that was, was a really interesting different. plot thread <laughs> that, that yeah. dangled for a long time. Which I thought was funny too, because like they still kicked the door in, so it's like, right? Would they not have been too, able to yeah. kick the door in if the chain was there? Like, like uh, you know, I feel well, like I've almost it? left my apartment with the chain on and just ripped it right out of the frame, you know, oh. like or like more. I guess more coming home and I'll like open it if my like wife gets home before me and locks the door. Mm-hmm. I'll unlock the deadbolt and open the door and you smash it into this chain. And like I've gotten to the point where I see the molding kind of pulling out, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like how you know right, it's basically just that. these two little yeah. screws, <laughs> not even going into anything structure, you know, structurally. So it's like how is how is the deadbolt easier to kick through, but the mm. chain? Oh, that would have yeah. fucked everything. Up. I mean, he obviously wasn't expecting them to kill him either. Yeah. So who knows what the deal was there? Maybe he thought they'd just open the door. Right. But uh, mm. I, I liked too. I liked the the realism in terms of like. The shotgun, you know, they immediately break it down into two pieces and just walk out. And we don't see it again until they're back in their car, you know, trying to kill Bullet with it because yeah. they can't shake him in the car chase, which they tried first. Because, again, it's not your bombastic, you know, juggernaut movie. They're just trying to get away from the guy who's following them. And eventually, when that doesn't work, after they're outside of the city on isolated roads, right. they get the shotgun out. Only when, mm-hmm. you know, and when he sneaks into the hospital with the ice, ice pick, he doesn't have it, like in his hand the whole time against right. his body it's taped to his leg right. so that if you know if, if there's a security checkpoint or a cop needs to pat him down they're not going to get to him you know, nothing in his hands nothing to worry about slipping out of his sleeves or weird shapes in his gloves like which just again was yeah that makes sense like that's what you do and then stand there in the stairway take your time get the ice pick out you know there's none of this like whip their hand around and materialize a weapon out of thin air sort of mm-hmm. thing except for the airport chase <laughs> but other than that, it was all very, you know, weapons were, were rare or unusual. Right. Special things. The airport chase, um, I saw this before I saw Heat. Okay. And Heat ends with an airport chase. Remarkably similar to this one. Um, although it ends outside, not inside. And when I first saw Heat, my first thought was, oh, Bullet. Uh-huh. But now, every time I rewatch Bullet, I think about Heat. Gotcha. So, <laughs> I guess they're inextricably linked now. <laughs> For me, I only remember the middle of Heat. I can never remember the beginning the of The whole thing end. is middle. It's so long. It's just middle. There's no beginning. Well, no, once you get to the diner sequence, it's like, this is, this is oh, the, God, yeah. this is wrapping the front up. row. Like, no, this is like the reason to watch this. Like, let's watch these guys for... That should be the movie. Right. Speaking like, of Bullets Car Chase, the sound design, the engine noise. Yeah. Speaking of sound and heat, the gunfight. Just yeah. incredible. Yeah echoey resonance oh, yeah they're both cop movies with great sound design in a middle of the film action piece and ending at the airport shootouts great they're the same movie great work guys let's go home <laughs> I also I don't know if um, 
and I think I, I hope I'm thinking of the right movie, but back in my back in my blockbuster days, <gasps> I remember someone telling me that the movie Ronin was supposed to have like one of the best right. car scenes ever, car chase scenes ever. Right. I remember watching it. And I think it, you know from what I remember, I remember being like, oh okay, this is cool, but I can't remember like anything else about the film. Um, but I remember that being like a big deal. Um, but I, yeah, has any, has it? You, so you said you've seen it, Joel. You've seen Ronan? a long time ago. Okay. Have you guys seen it? Okay, no. So that's that, De Niro and is it Jean? Um, I, I like Leon the Professional. That I think French so. That, yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I, yeah. I don't remember anything about it. I just remember watching it because of the car chase and being. It's kind of, kind of like a heisty. Like they have yeah. a crew together to go get the thing. Mm-hmm. It's good. Like <laughs> that. That's not much of a description of yeah. why you would want to watch it. I enjoyed it, but I don't remember the car chase. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. one of the other car chases that gets mentioned around this time is the French Connection. Because that I came out seen that. one or two years after Bullet, anyway, and that That's one, Hackman, right? Yeah, and that one, I think, because of Bullet, falls a little short. And it's our hero is chasing an elevated train, so he's oh. in his car underneath the tracks, trying to keep up with the train and dodge the traffic as he goes. Oh, okay. And to its credit, like the work is brilliant, and a bunch of the stunt people missed their marks and had actual collisions with Hackman's car during the stunt work. Things that were supposed <laughs> nice. to be near misses were actual hits, and like <laughs> I've heard it described as basically Hackman driving like a maniac after a train while the entire film team desperately tries to keep up with him and keep him in camera. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it's, it's, it is, and it's great, but the fact that he's only, quote-unquote only, weaving through traffic and otherwise just has to follow the track mm-hmm. and not get that far behind the you know, eight-car train, it doesn't feel quite as... The stakes don't feel as high right. mm-hmm. as in something like Bullet, where Bullet himself vanishes, turns the tables on them, and then they're both constantly dodging between cars. You know, they cause a crash that Bullet has to dodge around on the gravel and survive. You know, like, the fact that the two parties in the chase can interact so directly with each other right. sort of something about that was missing from the French Connection chase which is still great but doesn't doesn't quite do it for me I don't know something about it I love that one collision that looks like it should have been cut where it's that front quarter panel where it's like it's it impacts like I I really like that that -hmm. that was left in too just it just felt like there was stakes like it was there was weight Mm -hmm. to it Mm -hmm. and when they torch that car man like whatever dummies that they use they look like real like that looked like those guys okay like yeah. that was that was <laughs> oh, brutal yeah. the I, uh, they filmed the chase several times they oh, okay. cut together their best shots from each yeah. take right and so for the first time ever in my life I caught it this time you can see door damage on the Mustang and one of the first few mm. shots of the chase oh that okay doesn't technically show up mm. until later in the chase I but see. it was a re-record you know I again I never noticed that till just now mm. And then the other one is, I'm told, if you count, you can watch the Charger lose, like, nine hubcaps. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I was counting, I, I and I got one. to five. Really? So, wow. admittedly, more than four. Okay. But um, still not that many. It's a spare time. And I think one of them was <laughs> that, like, sharp left turn into the downward street, uh-huh. where you see the shot from the front first, and then it cuts to the shot from inside Bullet's car, mm. which I guess technically could count as the same hubcap. Gosh. <laughs> if you will. So, I... Sure, those mistakes must be there, but I, I don't see them. I'm not so, worried on that, you know. Did McQueen do the stunt driving? Some of it. 
Um, okay. The highest speed stuff was professional, his usual professional okay. driver. Well, McQueen was pretty noted for racing, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's why he's yeah. iconic. So he and... did some of it, but for the highest speed stuff, yeah. they had his usual double coming. Gotcha. Maybe for insurance purposes. Because I, I was noticing a lot of this, the shots of the outside of the car, you, you see him. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't look like yeah. somebody in a bad wig. It looks like mm-hmm. him. Like, and then I think the Hitman the one driving was yeah. just a stunt driver they cast into the hitman gotcha. role specifically so the same guy could do the chase that's something else um, I, really, I might be misremembering i really liked about the car chase that it was like no dialogue the whole time not even the bad guys mm-hmm. they're not yelling at each other and like fucking get him like every other car chase ever has that element of like somebody else is in the car and they're uncomfortable with going that fast or like mm-hmm. why aren't we losing him why aren't we shooting why don't you get your guns out and shoot him like why don't you shut up <laughs> like, <laughs> but this was just like all about concentrating on the driving so aspect it was like two professionals yeah mm-hmm. who are a team who've been a team through the whole film right yeah who know their deal trying to escape a professional who knows his deal and of course is alone in the car I guess mm. but they didn't have him mutter to himself any cool lines right. gotcha now you know right. like he's just focused on the drive and they're focused on getting away from him and the most communication you see is when they finally reach the isolated roads and the guy in the passenger seat pulls out the shotgun and the driver looks over to watch him loading it a few times to see when he's done loading so he can position the car yeah. to get a shot at bullet but they know because they're a team and they're professionals right. like yeah so no, no speaking is really there, there's a lot of restraint in this mm-hmm. movie I think that that's one of its mm-hmm. best features is that it, it just it tells the story it wants to without shoving it in your face I I, mm-hmm. I really admire that it's not something that happens there's not a whole lot of subtlety or restraint in anything that comes out really anymore mm. at least to this extent yeah. Tarantino's good at that I've mentioned before his yeah, ability to just let a scene be silent right. for a long time you know mm-hmm. but uh I really the editing in this works really well too and it works really well in terms of the types of cuts they use and when and they the visual communication is just so great throughout the whole film like not just the reflections of course which are all over the place but the pan over from one section to another section and from one face to another face and the in one of my film elements classes at DU um I wrote about Bullet, just like a one-page thing, and it was for editing, and it was for the scene when his girlfriend shows up at the crime scene where the girl's Mm. been murdered, because she's waiting in the car, and he goes in the check, and the sirens show up, and she's worried it's him, and she rushes in, and we get just jump cuts. Her face, dead body, her face, dead body, close-up on face of dead body, her face, and then while we're on her face, we hear Bullet's voice, and she moves her head, jump cut to Bullet, on the phone, just standing there scratching his face doing his conversation like he's been doing throughout this entire film acting normal yeah she's watching him stand over a half naked you know neck gouged corpse and just have a phone conversation and then it cuts back to her and back to him a couple more times and then he sees her and then puts the phone down and then it pans over with him to her and now they're brought together what was just cut, 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 back and forth, two separate people on separate sides of a wall, walks them over together into the same physical space, and then they leave, and mm-hmm. we get our rest of our scene. And it, it, the whole film works that way. Right. It works so well to carry characters from place to place and to and from each other throughout the whole, the whole thing. It's brilliant. Yeah. I, 
think one of the weaker elements of the film is we see the girlfriend just long enough to like establish like an emotional tie yeah and then it's gone like we see her for two sequences they have a that lunch moment, which I really like, but yeah. it, there's there's a sense of like, okay, this is a relationship, and it just seems like the whole another movie would have focused more on the why are we still in this hellhole? How are we gonna get out of here? Or mm-hmm. you're distant and you're you're cold and emotionally unavailable. Like that's a different focus. It just seemed like it was hinting towards that without yeah. doing that. I don't know if that contradicts my previous statement about restraint but i don't think it's restraint so much it just seemed like to tease that without really like maybe it would have been too long if they kept that in maybe i but, i don't know it just but you're right they seem like they an underwritten us, part because when we reach that conversation after the crime scene you're living in a sewer frank it's yeah. a brilliant conversation but it's only the third time we've ever seen her really right. so it doesn't quite yeah <laughs> i actually kind of like that yeah i like that it didn't you know, I mean, a lot of that was implied, right? We yeah. don't need to see every step of their right. relationship to understand that his job has an impact on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I and I think um, while we were watching it, Scott, you said something about this is a movie that does a lot of showing and not telling. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think that to me, I interpreted it that way, right? As didn't need to see everything, but I still felt the impact of that. Gotcha. I guess you could have built it a little more, but, you know, another scene or two. But also, you know, I think it gets it across without diverting too much in the movie to that gotcha. yeah. I like too that the showing not telling is they tend to linger on their images a lot or show you multiple mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. because other films try to do that thing where like they'll show you something in the room that the detective sees and then he leaves and they think they showed you because it was on screen for a little bit mm-hmm. not no, separate from like movies where you're not supposed to see it you know the guy looks off screen and goes aha and leaves and you have to wait but like you, you don't like here they'll they'll devote camera time to the thing he saw at least once sometimes mm-hmm. twice for multiple seconds let you have time to read the sign to see the thing and even though you might not have connected the dots the way he did you know what the piece was you know so later when he says something or does something or where he goes you can be like oh oh okay yeah that's why that was important they show you the dog in the back window of the taxi yeah at the very beginning of the movie I and love then that that comes back. Yeah. They tell you the, oh yeah, it was a cab, and then we show up to the dog in the back window of the taxi. Okay, mm-hmm. he got the same cab, right? I like a lot of the faraway shots, too, where the camera's just far away enough, and you can see a couple people in the background having a dialogue, right? But it doesn't, you know, you don't hear what they're saying. Mm-hmm. But you can read. I, I think there's one, um, I'm having a hard time remembering where exactly it comes, but uh, Bullet walks into the room, and, you know, the... the captain's there or whatever and he kind of like almost slams the door yeah you can read on his face that yeah. he's like what are we you know what's happening now and you get that when you get in the room but you can also see it before that it's kind of hitting the fan and there's something coming mm-hmm. just by showing you so i liked a few of those shots mm-hmm. too i really like that in in the hospital where they have the sliding glass mm-hmm. partitions yeah. and then you have mcqueen uses that to talk to i think the doctor and then the politician does it with yeah. McQueen. And then it's really interesting because the next time you see those sliding glass, there's a little gap mm. right where the doctor is. And it looks like he's cracked it, like he's used those before as he's listening to the politician say he wants a different doctor. Yeah. 
Like it, it just like a really interesting device, and it's it's obscurity through clarity because it's it's glass. Mm-hmm. So you see that conversation going on in the background, and and you the layers of that 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 was really cool. The sound of this film, the sound design is sound of editing. I don't know what to pin it down mm-hmm. on. It's great because you also, like you said, there we're hearing the conversation that's in the background, right? One room over yeah. behind the cracked partition. Mm-hmm. But they brought it out, so we hear it very clearly. Right. And that, that mixing back and forth was... I, I don't struggle to hear the lines in this film, like I do yeah. with so many other things. Right. And you don't struggle to hear something when the character turns away from the camera or when they're in the background as an intentional, like, oh, they're far from the camera, so we want this to be quieter. Like, right. They didn't do that here. They turned it up to the mm-hmm. same level as the conversation that just happened right in front of the camera because we need to hear it. Right. And I just I appreciate that. I'm sure my neighbors do too. <laughs> <laughs> it's an even trade-off. <laughs> I just really enjoyed looking at this film. Yeah, yeah. The color. There's a lot of color. There Probably is because of San Francisco being in the San 60s. Francisco. Yeah, but like you said, there's a little lot of natural light and California sun, and yeah. it doesn't. So the natural light. One shot I loved was uh, after the chase scene in the hospital, when he, you know, in the hospital's dark and dingy yeah. and gritty. And he walks out to street level, yeah, and it's, it's bright. It's and you almost thought that the whole hospital chase was at night or something. Yes, exactly. And then yeah. he comes out, and it's broad daylight. Yeah. And I was like, that caught me off guard, but I loved that shot. That was so, so effective. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. It's it's weird to see. Like I always forget about how California is laid out. Because mm-hmm. when they they into that they drive into the the. Um, driveway of that hotel where he tries to pick up the message yeah and it's like why would you put a hotel there it's this weird like corner of of this mountain basically and it's like not even symmetrical like it has this driveway but it's in a weird curve and it's like how would you get there slash park there slash find it like it, it just was really interesting to see that set and kind of this tiered mountainous region it's just it's just strange like who said we should build it here you know i think i'm glad i watched this uh you know after i went to san francisco a few years ago or or seattle last year um just because of those sloping streets and everything yeah. i think that had much more of an impact on me than if I was just seeing it and not had been to those places because mm-hmm. I was blown away walking around San oh, Fran yeah. like god damn this really is steep I have a so seeing this now up yeah. a street and being out of breath and <laughs> thinking why would you live here it also says like if I trip I'm going to roll for a long time <laughs> I always think of Princess Bride or not Princess Bride Princess Diaries mm. where her old beater uh, uh, muscle car is dying and they have to push it up and down the hills uh-huh. like oh, yeah. st- just driving in San Fran just stresses yeah. me out as a, as an idea because like, <laughs> there's that famous side windy street Lombard like yeah. that oh man it's awesome to look at from the bottom not from the top <laughs> man and it was it was refreshing to watch something set in California I feel like most of the things I see nowadays are like New York or Chicago it's mm-hmm. more like these very yeah. different cities like you almost get like California San Fran seems almost European in its design it compared to 
New York or does, Chicago yeah. or Detroit, yeah. you know? And that's something that's pretty San Francisco-y, too. Yeah. Even amongst the rest of California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stuff set in L.A., and it's mostly just right. urban sprawl. Yeah. Not exactly visually identifiable. Right. San Francisco has a visual identity, but it's sharp and unique. And yeah. It's huge. I always forget how big it is. Yeah. Mm. It's easy to forget, especially with the film focus, that San Francisco was the city in California for the longest time. Mm-hmm. L.A. was a backwater. Mm. And San Francisco was and still is a, a port for people and cargo. Right. It was where ships came. And I think for cargo, Los Angeles has now superseded it, if I recall. But especially film grew up in L.A., so the focus became L.A. And it became bigger and more populous and wider and more bloated. And But it's it's... You know, easy to forget how big San Francisco is, period, mm-hmm. how big it still is, and how it has been for forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the it was the place people wanted to be, not mm-hmm. the place industry wanted to be. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I always remember uh, in the um, Chaplin biopic with Robbie Downer, Robert Downey Jr. playing him, like the idea that they went out to LA and it's like here's one studio lot and nothing all around it and here's another studio lot with nothing around it just these we went, we came here to make films because there was space to build shit like, movies when they talk about Burbank how you have to go to Burbank from Los Angeles yeah. like how we would have to go to Colorado Springs from here but yeah. like nowadays it's completely indistinguishable yeah. it's been absorbed completely <laughs> at what point does this the river to Burbank like, I was really, I'm interested how they shot inside those cars. Especially when you get the, the pan around in the back of the taxi and you, on that bobble dog mm, yeah. thing. It's just like you, in 68, big camera, I'm thinking. And like this guy kind of hunkered down having to get that shot and stay in that so that they could run it through the uh, uh, car wash mm-hmm. and get the shot again. Like just... And then holding it going on those huge bumps, like, that would be... I'm sure there was some sprained hands and (laughs) broken (laughs) fingers and stuff, like... And also, like, wanting to make sure that the lens doesn't break or the the film doesn't snap, just, like... And it's all on film, like, it's not... There's no digital element to Mm -hmm. it, it's just... And the cars don't... You know, they get some air. Yeah, Yeah. they really do. Which, these are heavy cars. Yeah. Really heavy cars. But then it's not, again, it's not the air of Fast and Furious or the Bond rocket-powered jumps, and it's sort of just wee bump, boom, bump. And it, again, it's visually so much more unspectacular compared to the big stuff we do nowadays. But, again, just thinking about when was the last time your car had a tire off the ground? Mm -hmm. Ever. Maybe you go over a curb at some point, right? Yeah. You're going to speed bump a little too fast. (laughs) Then you're off the ground by inches for like a tenth of a second, and it was terrifying. Yeah. And I always feel like with most cars chases, I'm turned off because I'm like CGI, CGI. Like it's cool, yeah. but I know at some point this is going to end. This isn't the climax of the movie because it's usually Bond. Car chase is on the way to another thing that's going to happen. Like there's, and after watching the Live and Let Die chase sequence where yeah. it's car, speedboat, fan boat, over bridges, into cars, like <laughs> the. the 
I, I, I'm, I'm not impressed that much by anything CGI after that because that was all practical and it's crazy. Yeah. So watching this one, it was like, I felt the weight of every part of that. It's like, yeah. I've driven stick. How how are they doing this? Because I don't understand. Practical, but not real. Like, right. things are yep. on tracks, yep. right? Yep. Or they they get lifted by cranes. Yeah. This was real. Yeah, no. That, that's, this, yeah. And, and that's, There's a clear distinction between oh, this no, and not to, not to disparage Bond, but I, what you mean about, like... <laughs> The practical feels so much... It's more impactful than the special effects. Mm -hmm. And then to see practical that clearly wasn't just, like, designed like a Universal Studios ride is... The impact is... Well, that's the thing. That was what blew me away about um, uh, Need for Speed. Oh, Was the practical effects in that. Yeah. Because that... Most of that was real. And it was like, holy shit, how they... I mean, they're using the launches of the jumps to get them to curve and sure, but they're using them the, the tricks but trashing those cars yeah. that was spectacular I don't and know if it was on my DVD but I saw a spot at one point that was for that that end scene where it's the the big race and yeah. all the cars are you know multi-million dollar monstrosity hypercars you know Coney Segs and whatnot, and and they wrecked a lot of them and like any other film you need like you know eight copies of the car so you can wreck it eight times so they're just empty shells. Every single one of the cars is the exact same empty shell with the same engine and seat, and they just had their proper whatever department just make the sh- the the body kit to yeah. look. They just licensed the body from the dealer, you know, mm-hmm. the real company, and it, it's just like has no one else ever thought to do that, right. like on such a scale before, yeah. because they were allowed to very convincingly wreck like fifty million dollars worth of cars visually yeah for the cost of a bunch of fake cars mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and i'm sure that came about like we can't afford like to wreck one of these <laughs> we can't afford to look at one of these. plus we can't <laughs> afford to cgi one of these so it's like how i imagine that was a prop team like well let's see what we can put together and yeah. see, see how we can make this as practical as possible and yeah. it, it looks spectacular like I would not disparage that film on its visuals because it's outstanding. <laughs> and see, that's something Bond does. Like, when Tomorrow Never Dies, they had, like, 17 copies of that BMW. Really? All in different... So with different gadgets on each of them and different states of damage on each of them. <laughs> right? Is that the remote control one? Yeah, the yeah. cell phone. And, <laughs> He's driving from the back You know, seat. they did oh, that yeah. partly because they're Bond and they can they have infinite money, right? Yeah. And to throw it, that sort of thing. But, like, they, just, they were using the BMW because that was the car. But if they wanted to, they could have done the supercar thing but there are so many other productions out there actually Fast and Furious comes to mind Mm -hmm. that don't do that and then not to say that they're worse for it but just it's one of those things that once they said it to me in that behind the scenes bit I was like oh that must just be how this always happens in every movie ever because it's just so simple and and smart like why would you not and they don't no one does (laughs) I was baffled maybe nowadays they do I don't know but at the time Mm -hmm. yeah it's so interesting to think of like we all thought of this as a car movie <laughs> right and there's one car yeah, chase that's how it was introduced to me right right so like how the car movie has evolved like fast the fast franchise is insane yeah. like it's so far removed from car chases at this point they've got submarines they've got it, it's like air dropping cars out of aircraft carriers like not, that's not what it is helicarrier that's not real I don't know what it is yeah, a, a transport and then parachuting cars down to the Colorado mountainside like that it's so far but it's like car 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 yeah. like at what point 
do, did we get that transition from the car movie is something with a really quality car chase to car porn. And <laughs> like, in, in the same way that the car movie used to be a plot that happened to have one or two chases in right. it. Like the, you know, the action movie used to be more more like Drive almost. That like there were a couple instances of action. There's mm-hmm. the gun, the gun in the motel, the one car chase, right? The strip club, and maybe one other fight. But the rest of the movie is just stuff, people talking and going places. And it was you know Taxi Driver, right? People yeah. used to tell me that's such a violent movie. There's like one instance of violence, and it's at the end, and it's not nearly as bloody as half of what I see anymore. Mm-hmm. But that was your your horribly violent movie for its time, you know. And that's the thing. I think it's still bullet is still considered the car movie. That's why we all had that impression of yeah. it. That's why it's McQueen on the cover with his hand on the car. Like that's that's the iconic image. It's just it's not diminished at all by it. Like it's just so interesting that that's what a car movie used to be. Yeah. Just strange how I don't know. In the first Fast movie is... Is more like that, actually. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot more Just going on. Cars are so much less pretty, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the era, you know? Fair, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's because some executive lets his nephew write a script. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I want to put all these car chases and have Paul Walker say a bunch of dumb shit. <laughs> all right, he's my nephew. we got to let him do it, I guess. <laughs> it is funny to see old movies... Especially car-focused ones, though, and then go. This was what we were excited about in that decade. <laughs> <laughs> and not just for cars, but fashion or technology, all sorts of things. But car movies really bring that sort of thing to the front and center. It's funny to me right now. I'm thinking Herbie, the Love Bug, is oh, more man. of a car chase movie than this. <laughs> like, there's so much more. And it's, true. it's it's just it's just funny. Like that's the other side of the coin from this era, right? You have the car chase movie, and then you have Herbie. It's doing yeah. all of these weird stunts, but it's a Disney movie, and it's silly, and it's it's about a um, they're not omniscient, like a sentient car, just silly. <laughs> Herbie's what's wrong with the car movie industry? <laughs> That's the crossover I want. I want Fast and Furious meets Love Bug. <laughs> That's all I want. Fast and loving. Yes, fast and loving it. <laughs> Fast, and, love. Fast and Herbius. Oh, that one hurt. That one hurt me. <laughs> As our discussion peters out, should we move on to my favorite yes. favorite segment, which I will put right here? It is. It is time for another situational movie recommendation. <laughs> Does anybody have one for this no. month? No? Come on! Well, I gotta I think of I another. This is your thing. Well, I might have asked about car chases, but we've done that. We've already done that. Actually, okay, yeah. What's your favorite fancy vehicle sequence from a film that doesn't involve cars? Give us something else. Planes, choppers, horses, motorcycles. Vehicle, okay. Vehicle-related Vehicles, sequence that's not just cars. Ooh. What was something that made you think, oh, that's original, or... Well, that's not what I expected, you know. No, it's Fitz Caraldo for me. <laughs> oh, is that, is that the ship? Yeah, that's the, the yeah the uh, riverboat that yeah. they winched over a mountain. Most likely, that will be my next pick. So I don't want to talk too much about mm-hmm. it. But that 
that was like a really Where interesting the production thing. of that film was arguably more tortured than the actual event it depicted yes absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it yeah um apparently the the native cast were talking to uh Herzog about we'll we'll kill Klaus Kinski for you yeah if you'd like because he's an asshole horrible. <laughs> and I don't like the way he's playing this character um the fan vote in uh, Waterboy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that <laughs> one a lot because <laughs> it's That's it's at the moment. end. Yeah. You don't see it until like the end. Because does it Mama take it to yeah, the so we can the get to the bourbon, bourbon bowl? bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> I like that one. I might have to use that one. <laughs> oh no no no! Oh, oh uh, uh, Forrest Gump on his uh, lawnmower. Yes, ha ha ha! That one makes oh, me my happy. Gosh. Rolling into town and people like behind him trying to get across. Yeah, I think for boats it's got to be uh, for Mushroom of Love, actually. Yeah. And part of the the reason I love that one so much, admittedly, is the music. Mm -hmm. The the music for that just brings the whole thing together in a nice package. But non car. More recently, Mission Impossible, the new one, Rogue Nation, mm -hmm. the most recent was that what was that one was. I'm mixing up I don't all those subtitles. It, the Armageddon one, sure, Fallout, was the most fall, recent yes, one. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah, with heavy cattle. Yeah. Yes. Okay, thank you. Fallout. Just the helicopter right at the end. The fists. whole, you know, he's on the cargo net and climbs up and gets in the helicopter and drops the cargo and does the flip. The okay, whole, like, one. it's all, I've seen helicopters do flips in real life too, and I've seen, you know, people climb cargo nets to helicopters and it, it was one of those, like, we've seen each of these stunts somewhere before, but just they put it all together into a package that left me grinning like an idiot. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where the magic came from, but I just loved it. <laughs> See, I don't want to scoop okay. yours. I'm well, pretty sure might, I you haven't on the seen same. this one. Oh, okay, never mind. I was going to say just uh, all of the planes in Top Gun. Oh, I thought yeah. you were going to go Top Gun. You got excited, no, no, no. so... <laughs> no, well, um, it was helicopter-related, oh, okay. specifically, yeah, but... Okay. Did you have another? I didn't want to. Uh, no, just Top Gun planes, and then I'm trying to think of a horse one. So, yeah, because you said horses, so sure. <laughs> I'll find a horse thing. Let me think on it. So no, I, have, I have, yeah, um, yo, go ahead. I've, I've yeah. said seven. Um, so, and I think this would be probably because like this was the first kind of chase that I had seen like when I was younger, but um, the, the Last Crusade with the boats yes yeah. i was thinking that too you know mm -hmm. you know i, I you know you know go right go don't go between them go between them are you crazy you know, like that whole interaction and just like yeah. it's just like oh my god like they're racing boats i didn't know that was a thing like you know i was really young when i saw that and it was just like the you know the i feel like it, it added this element that wasn't something maybe i had seen car chases before but it's like okay i've been in a car on a street mm -hmm. i understand that a car chase is that but faster but like boats like i didn't know that two boats could just fucking crush you in between you know right. if you you know like it was like holy shit this is a whole new you know, whole new level of it you know and and then when he's got the other guy and like on the, the other boat it's getting chopped up by it and he's just like kind of like you my, know, tell me what i want to know but my soul is prepared up. dr jones yeah. how's yours like, it's oh, such a badass actually line. <laughs> oh, it's so good <laughs> um so that and uh oh what was the other one damn it come back to me I had a second one. Well, at the end of Last Crusade is the horse and tank. <laughs> oh, that was so good too. Oh, that was really good. <clears throat> I was thinking uh, the helicopter from the cold open of Spectre. Ooh, yeah. That that was like I had seen a lot of like 
especially Bond in the air is like done and done Elijah and done Moore again. does a skydiving chase yeah. where he jumps out with no parachute right. fights a guy with no parachute falls faster to a guy with a parachute yeah. beats him up and takes his parachute this was just so <laughs> so scary and it just like the way they the camera moved and how close it came to like careening into people on the ground was just spectacular yeah. but um what was Trying to think, hard. no, no, no. Okay, um, the uh, speeder bike chase in Return of the Jedi, Ooh, yeah, is w- mm-hmm. really cool. Like yeah. the, the sound of that, and then the, them getting the locked into stuff, and, yeah, and then Ben Hur. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, the chariots, and then Greece. That's car related. Never mind. <laughs> I remembered yeah. my other one. Yeah, the opening of the Dark Knight Rises in the plane. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I've got another one. Yeah. Uh, Back to the Future Three: The Train. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. Yeah. That mm-hmm. one's great. With the car stretched strapped to the front. Of it. <laughs> yeah, it's like so you, be- you got to get this done. You have limited time. You have that much time to do what you need to do. I always mm-hmm. loved like the different colored bricks yeah. that would make it burn at a higher, and it corresponded yeah. to the gauge on the like in yeah. flame. It, uh, it's like the third really line's cool. about to blow. <laughs> <laughs> and it fucking blows out the smokestack too. It's all just fucking mangled. I found out the other day that um, the year they were in in the Wild West was like a couple of years after petroleum was a legitimate product that was being like refined and sold by the barrel in Kentucky <laughs> and it had very very slim uses like mining but like in theory if they wanted to just live in the town for long enough they could have <laughs> just wired for a barrel of, of, of petroleum from the guy in Kentucky and like Doc would have had to put together an anti-knocking solution and they could have just filled the gas tank and left <laughs> but that would have taken like months you know and yeah, they would have been money shot by and, right <laughs> But just an interesting, like, the, the technological uh, misalignment, yeah. like, was suddenly just push, pushed back into place. Right. <laughs> like, oh. That's a good one. I liked that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come up with more, so right. it's not just me. Yes, sir. <laughs> Will do. Yeah. Thank you for uh, taking over hosting. And uh, thank all, all of you for joining me. For, for braving the wild streets of Denver <laughs> and the, the shotgun men and chargers. <laughs> um, next up is Tim. Next Woo-hoo. month. Tim, Oof. what will you be bringing us? So I'm bringing Matrix Reloaded. Yes. Yes. I, you know, a few years ago, yeah, a few years ago, I did the first Matrix, you know, which, you know, which I do, you know, I will admit I do enjoy it more than the other two. I feel like most people feel the same. Um, but there is something to be said for the trilogy as a whole mm-hmm. and i feel like the first one while it is complete in some ways it is also in a prelude you know mm-hmm. um sort of really gets a kind of the kind of full story you know like um it, it's kind of interesting too because i only recently saw i rewatched john wick one and saw john wick two finally i still haven't seen three mm-hmm. but it kind of reminded me a lot of that where john wick one ends where it's like okay this could be done yeah and then the second one starts, you're like, oh, okay, I see how they, they pulled it from... Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. How they kind of took it from there. But then the second one ends like, oh, fuck, we're, yeah. we're right in the middle of it. Like, we, yeah. we gotta go. We'll you know? So, like, you know, and, and Matrix Reloaded is like that, where they had filmed Matrix 2 and 3, like, together yep. as mm-hmm. one big thing. And it just kind of start stops, like, right in the middle of the story and picks up right where it left off, you know? Um, 
so so yeah so i i really want to sort of complete the trilogy so um uh yeah so zeke this is one where i think i figured if we talked about this where i'm sure you've seen the matrix Mm -hmm. but you know like if you wanted to catch up on the podcast to kind of see okay this is everything we said about the first one but um yeah so we're doing i'm gonna do uh reloaded and then i will do revolutions for my next pick so we will get to finish it off um also you know i would say to to the listeners and to you guys too if you wanted to check out any of the um the animatrix stuff in between like that doesn't justify its own pick because i think the whole all of them together come up to under an hour so I don't want to use a I whole have pick for that. Wanted to see that. Actually. Yeah. So so I mean it might be worth, or even if we just kind of um, there there are definitely some that I feel like tie in better than others. Um, what is it? The there's the the one that does basically the history of how uh, Second Renaissance. That's what it's called. Second Renaissance Part One and Two tells the story of how the Matrix came to be, um, and then there's a kid's story who kid ends up being a character in matrix revolutions and you can kind of see oh no i think he's in reloaded too um you kind of see where he came from some of his backstory and then final flight of the osiris is what leads right into the beginning of matrix reloaded and the others just kind of take place in the world of the matrix they're kind of fun little stories but they don't they're not tied in directly to the characters in the movies um so, so if you're going to watch only some of the Animatrix, those are the four best ones to watch because they do, like I said, they, they kind of really deepen the actual story that you're watching, whereas the others kind of expand the universe um, but don't really deal with those characters. Um, and it's cool, actually, Keanu Reeves has, like, like he, he does, his voice is in uh, Kid's Story, I think it is. You, get, you do get to hear him a little bit kind of interacting with kids, so that's kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, so... We're going to finish my, my favorite trilogy of all time. And uh, it'll be neat, you know, and it'll be kind of like when, you know, when the movies first came out. Like, luckily, because they made them back to back, I think it was like six months in between yeah. that you had to wait. Um, so this won't be quite that long. It'll be about four months for us to get around mm-hmm. the cycle again. Uh, but it'll kind of simulate that where it's like, okay, this kind of just stops in the middle and you get to wait and then kind of pick up where we left off. Um, but it is really different. And I, uh, I actually... Well, I won't get into too much discussion, but there is, the tone of the two films are very film. Even though they were kind of all made together, they are still two very distinct films. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I do want to talk about, probably more so after we've seen Revolutions. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it was kind of one of those things, too, especially when uh, Reloaded came out, it was kind of like, oh, man, they sold out. This is so Hollywood now. But then when you see Revolutions, you're like, wait a minute, I really feel like this was part of a plan. Like mm-hmm. It was the way it was for, on purpose, I think. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so you know, those of you listening, watch that stuff before, and then, yeah, we'll re-enter the Matrix. <laughs> Sounds good. I almost expected you to make a re-enter, or I hardly know her. <laughs> 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 but, uh, didn't quite land. So anyway, until next time, listeners. Uh, hope you've enjoyed the podcast, and we hope you'll be back next month. Bye. 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 Hey listeners, we appreciate you tuning in for our podcast. We're now available on iTunes if you'd like to check us out there. I'd be glad to have you subscribe. We'd also love to hear your feedback, whether it's a comment, review, or anything else. You can reach us all through our official Nerds That Geek emails, which you can find on the bio page at nerdsthatgeek.com. If you want to find us on social media, I'm on Instagram at scott underscore w underscore murray, or on Twitter at scottmntg. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Joel T18. And I'm on Twitter at NerdsThatZeke. And on Instagram, I'm the Tim Gerard. 
and on Twitter I'm at Tim Gerard. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you'll come back for more. Thank you.